Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies and approaches that you are not hearing elsewhere. Don't hesitate to contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com, and you can go to our website to hear podcasts of any of our shows and interviews, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright. Today is June 19, 2015. We're very pleased you've joined us. We're happy to be talking with Brett Jensen. Newsletter editor of in, for Investors Alley, Brett. Welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Charlie, great to be on. Thank you for having me. So, Brett, you are indeed a brave man, recommending stocks and other positions uh, for investors, and then showing for the world to see uh, the value and the productivity of your of your investments and the kinds of returns they've gotten. How did you get into this business, and what background qualified you to uh, do stock selecting here? Basically, I've always been interested in stocks uh, ever since I was a uh, young boy. I, my dad was a banker. Uh, <laughs> kind of cruelly made me read the Wall Street Journal from cover to cover about eight years old. Uh, bought my first stock, which was Chrysler, back when I was 15 and was hooked. Uh, went to college, got a degree in finance, a uh, minor in accounting, and then uh, spent most of my career actually in technology management. Uh, but I always had the bug. I did very well investing from my own portfolio. And then in 2008, along with two partners, I launched a small hedge fund called Simplified Asset Management that had a very good track record. Unfortunately, it launched six weeks before Lehman. Not the best uh, time to go ahead and launch a hedge fund. Uh, We eventually decided that we were going to go ahead and shut it down. But one of the things that happened was running that hedge fund is I started writing on Seeking Alpha. Uh, Build brand for the hedge fund and talk about my investment ideas. Uh, circulate them out there. Uh, that got an audience, and that ended up being my entree into writing as a, a frequent uh, contributor on Real Money Pro, uh, Investors Alley, Seeking Alpha, and uh, last year I've launched a couple investment newsletters that cover my top 20 names in a particular uh, genre like biotechs or small caps. Okay, very good. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Do you still write for SeekingAlpha.com? Yeah, I'm pretty prolific. I still write for Seeking Alpha. I still write for Real Money Pro. I still write for Investors Alley. Um, my so-called retirement is keeping me very busy. <laughs> okay, so tell us uh, what systems and methodologies do you use for selecting stocks? Uh, it really kind of depends on, on the genre. Uh, for right now, I believe most of the investments uh, allocation should really be on some of the larger cap growth names that may not have the sizzle of some of the small cap and uh, biotech stocks I write about. In that genre, I'm really looking for is some uh, firm that has a sustainable advantage, 
has good revenue and earnings growth, and uh, has a very reasonable valuation. Obviously, one of the single stock decisions out there would be Apple. Uh, I was pounding my uh, hand on the table uh, back 18 months ago when Apple supposedly lost its mojo and was selling like six and a half times earnings once we took the cash off the balance sheet. Uh, been holding it since. Uh, it's been a great play. Another perfect, uh, perfect example of a great uh, large cap growth name selling at a very reasonable valuation is Biotech Gilead uh, Sciences. Uh, they've had, uh, they've owned the HIV space for a decade. Uh, their new hepatitis C products have the most new sales of any drug in the history of man. Uh, and they're going to, they quadrupled earnings last year. They're only going to grow about 30 or 35% this year. But they're selling 11 times forward earnings in a market that's selling or 17 or 18. So that's what I look for as far as large cap growth. Biotech is a completely different animal. Okay. So, that- so, 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 so let me interrupt you for a minute here, Brett. Uh, so you are a what, what I would call a bottoms-up stock picker. Is that, is that a fair description? Absolutely. Okay, um, and and do you try to diversify among various sectors, or do you, do you just try to pick those that are most likely to have good good runs here? I, I think diversification is extremely important, uh, and especially in some of the high beta sectors of the market, like small caps and biotech. So, for instance, in biotech, on my uh, newsletter, Biotech Gems, we basically pick five large cap stocks like Ajoya that have real earnings, real products, some of reasonable valuations, lower volatility than small cap sector. We then layer on 15 promising but speculative names and we ask uh, subscribers to weight the large caps three to six times greater than the small cap selection. That way 50 to 75% of their portfolio is actually in the more stable names depending on their risk preferences because Biotech is a immensely complicated space. There are hundreds of companies out there. They're spending tens and twenties and thirties of billions of dollars every year developing drugs. The FDA approved 41 drugs last year. Most drugs are going to fail in trials, but the home runs you will get when you get a successful one should provide a superior return. So diversification is very key in that space. You can say the same thing with small caps to a lesser extent. They're a high beta sector of the market. We try to diversify across industries and play themes. Like one of the themes we have right now is I believe the housing market should go ahead and move up to a more normalized level from a historical basis. In the last 30 years, we've done about 1.5 million housing starts annually. Uh, Back before the financial crisis in 2006, we were up to 2 million, which is pretty excessive. We've been running at $1 million or less for the last six years. There's some pent-up demand. So one of the themes within small caps is we have a couple of home-building plays. And we try to go ahead and make sure that's diversified across sectors as well. Uh, because picking stocks is one thing, and diversification is completely another. You need both. You need a good research, and you need good diversification to have a portfolio that outperforms the market over time. Right. And you really have to be stringent about it. Okay, so tell us, Brett. Uh, so, so you're a stock picker. Do you ever make recommendations on ETFs or any mutual funds or anything like that? I occasionally do the ETF. Uh, I, I, you know, everyone develops their niche in the market. My niche seems to be in the high beta plays that people want to talk about and large cap growth. Uh, occasionally, an ETF, never really a mutual fund. Uh, just 
my audience is looking more for the small cap and the biotech space right now, to be honest. Okay. Now, you, you are bottoms-up stock picker. Are you trying to find companies that uh, are basically out of favor, and that's why they are a bargain price today? Uh, either out of favor or unfold. Uh, I think some of the small biotechs that we've had huge gains on, like Eagle Pharma, which we just closed out for like 493% yesterday, it wasn't you know, out of favor. Just It was kind of a new IPO that once the IPO faded, people kind of forgot about it. But they had a very interesting pipeline and some good uh, products coming to the thing that people just, you know, once the IPO came out, just kind of forgot, forgot about it. Uh, I do do some, uh, you know, obviously contrarian investments. Perfect example was going in with Delta and American Airlines last summer when everyone's terrified about Ebola, which if you know anything about the disease, you knew was never going to really spread in the U.S., and those stocks were selling at under $30. So we do special situations like that as well. Uh, but mainly we concentrate on finding those stocks that either are very reasonable valued in a, what I think is a slightly overbought market, and that'd be a large gap growth plays, or stocks that most people have never heard of because not too many analysts cover. Uh, you know, if you have an Apple, you have 100 different analysts covering Apple, or any, you can read 18,000 stories about Apple every day if you want to. But some of the small cap plays, you know, maybe they get an analyst recommendation or comments once every couple of months, and there's just not that many people looking at it, and that's where you're going to find your your deep bargains if you actually are willing to put in the research. Right. And so uh, so our listeners understand here, you're a bottoms-up stock picker, and you have basically four different newsletters that you write, and each one focuses on a different, as you say, genre. Uh, there's small cap, gems, turnaround stock report, blue chip gems, and biotech gems. So you're yeah. looking at those different categories of stocks, and you're finding the best 15 or 20 in each of those categories, and then you're publishing those to your subscribers. Is that it, how it works? Absolutely. I Actually, I think i got the greatest job in the world because all I'm basically doing is talking about what I'm buying in my own portfolio. Okay, okay. And then do you recommend um, allocations among your the, the, those different newsletters? Do all of your uh, subscribers subscribe to all four? And do they need to work together, or can somebody subscribe to just one? Most of the subscribers we've got now usually pick a, a, a genre that they are most interested in. I have probably 15% that take quite a few. I answer questions about allocation, uh, but I don't really, that is not part of the newsletter. I figured people have already, you know, I always encourage people to go to financial planners or someone who really can help them with portfolio allocation and match their risk preferences and their goals. Uh, I concentrate on finding the best stocks in that particular uh, sector of the market. Okay, and you're, uh, you've been doing this for, uh, you've had your oldest newsletter, you started your oldest newsletter when? We started the first newsletter back in you know, soft launch in May of last year. Uh, the latest one and the last one we're going to do is Biotech Gems that had launched in May of this year. Um, you know, I've been hiring myself because I like to go ahead and have a staff of research analysts uh, on my ideas. So we've grown exactly where we want to be, and now we just can continue to concentrate on running an optimized portfolio in the sectors that we're covering. Okay. 
So, Brett, let's stop that for just a minute. Let's take a quick break. We're talking with Brett Jensen, newsletter editor for Investors Alley with four different newsletters. And uh, you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. We're talking with Brett Jensen, newsletter editor of Investor for Investors Alley. He has four different newsletters. He's a bottoms-up stock picker, uh, selects for each of the four different categories, or as he calls them, genres. Um, uh, the, the best 15 to 20 stocks that anybody should be invested in, and his subscribers then can follow his recommendations. So, uh, Brett, got a question for you here. Uh, we're about six-plus years into a bull market. Bull markets do not go on forever. The whole financial world, including John Bogle and many other well-known people, are saying the, the market is not only due for a correction, but over the next 10 years, because of where valuations are right now, it, the market is not expected to perform very highly. Um, do you ever make recommendations that people go a uh, significant percentage to cash, or do you make recommendations on short positions, or how do you handle a flat or even downtrending bear markets? Sure. Um, I don't uh, short stocks personally. Uh, it's, uh, too, it's like anything else. You really have to be a specialist to make money in it, and most shorts I know get taken out on stretchers eventually. I do offer a lot of you know, global macro calls, primarily on Seeking Alpha, uh, saying where I think the market is. Right now, I think it's slightly overbought. I think that uh, there are some pockets of value, but they're much harder than buying than they were last year. Uh, I have about 20% in cash in my own personal portfolio, and I do see some bubbles developing in the market, which I'm really getting a little more wary of. One of them is in China, where the market has doubled in the last year and just started to pull back in the last week. It has worst a week in since 2008. It, it, the growth over there is just amazing. The amount of online stock accounts is running at over 500% above last year's level, which tells you there's a little bit of enthusiasm. It seems almost like money is going from where it was going to ghost cities and real estate is now going to stocks since they opened the link up to Hong Kong in November. Uh, the other bubble I see is something, and I, I hate to go ahead and admit this, is the uh, some of the smaller biotechs because I've really benefited by that. I can count on it. takes more than two hands to count the small biotech positions I've got doubles, triples, quadruples on, but this cannot last. So in some of the high beta areas in the market, I can already see you know, a pretty significant overvaluation. I can definitely see 
a pullback, but it might be more like a rotational pullback than a big bear market. I don't know if you remember back in March of last year, the entire biotech sector got crushed for six to eight weeks where you had the major uh, biotechs like a, a Celgene or a Biogen all went up about down about 20 or 30 percent. And most of the smaller names in the net index went down 50 to 70 percent for no other reason than sentiment change on the sector. Uh, that's one reason we're building our biotech gems portfolio very slowly, a couple of stocks a month, because I think we will get some lower entry points in that particular sector. Uh, as far as the market, uh, one of the things I wish that there would be more advice on or more guidance to the retail investor, you mentioned ETFs. ETFs uh, are, were hardly even known 10 years ago, and now they're replacing mutual funds. I think in a flat market, investors really should go ahead and start learning some option strategies, even simple ones like selling covered calls out of the money against some of their positions just to go ahead and uh, raise some cash because that can give you a positive return even if your stock basically stays flat. Uh, those are excellent points. Uh, unfortunately, you don't give any uh, direct advice on that in your newsletters, correct? No, options, I'd love to go ahead and do something on the newsletters, but options are such a real-time investment. You almost have to have an online, you know, uh, services open every time the market's open or every hour the market's open. I mean, the Nigerian brothers, people are probably familiar with on uh, CNBC, they specialize in options through Option Monster, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I always try when people ask me what books they should read, uh, stuff around basic options. Uh, definitely one of the things I definitely push them to. There are a lot of good option books out there. A lot of them get pretty technical, but the concepts are pretty straightforward. Yeah, no no question about it. Uh, and many of us have learned the hard way that, that options uh, are not always the, the, the best opportunity in, in investing either. Uh, so tell us, uh, as, as a bottoms-up stock picker here, what, get, what keeps you awake at night? Depends on the month. <laughs> uh, right now, the things that are concerning me about the market is overvaluation. Uh, I also think we're a little complacent uh, about the Federal Reserve right, raising interest rates. I mean, it's almost been a decade since they have. Everyone seems like, oh, market will handle fine. But, you know, a lot of analysts and a lot of pundits saying that weren't around the last time they raised interest rates. Um, I do also worry about currency. Uh, one of the things that really held back earnings and why valuations kind of got extreme is that the dollar has been extremely strong since last summer. And with what's going on with, you know, the European and Japanese central bank, they're providing a lot of liquidity to our market. This is we've ended our so-called QE program last October. It's really kind of putting a big headwind on earnings growth. And that means you're kind of the levers that basically determine the market's valuation are all about, you know, the discount rate, which interest rates go up, that's going to go up, and earnings growth, earnings and earnings growth. Well, we're not really seeing a whole lot of earnings growth. I know that if we take out energy, we're still growing in supposedly the mid to high single digits, uh, but we just can't see. S&P companies have all-time record margins. There's no other place for them to cut costs. And that, with low financing, is probably why you're seeing such a huge uptick in the M&A activity. And that is actually another concern I have, because the last time we peaked in merger and acquisition activity were 2000 and 2007. Not exactly great times to be investing in the market. 
these, this type of activity levels always seem to happen near the top of the markets instead of the bottom. Staying with stock buybacks. That's telling you companies do not have, they don't have confidence to go ahead and grow capacity, grow plants. So they're buying companies and they're buying back stock. And again, historically, corporations tend to buy back stock at high levels and not buy it back at low levels like in 2009 and 2010. So those are kind of signs I'm watching. It's a very tough market to call. Yeah, no question about it, and I don't think anybody would disagree with you on that here. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Brett, uh, books on investing. Uh, what book or books would you recommend for our listeners on investing? Uh, I think, obviously, it depends on how deep people want to uh, get off. The Graham and Dodd was the, you know, the Bible of value investing. I personally still love Peter Lynch's books because I think his lessons in investing are timeless as far as investing in what you know. And basically investing in stuff that no one else really uh, is investing in instead of being just a momentum stock uh, trader. A random walk down uh, Wall Street's another good one. Uh, so basically the, the, the classic uh, books on investing. Um, Peter Lynch was someone, I, can, I still have some of his books, and they're as timely now as they were 25 years ago. Yeah, no question about it, and he certainly is a a recognized name in the industry. So what final words would you have for our listeners here, Brett, Uh, looking at the markets, looking to invest today, and looking for some uh, professional direction and advice? Well, the first thing I'd say is investing is a long-term journey, uh, and patience and discipline are critical. Uh, I would also say that maintain a very well-diversified portfolio. Um, and also rebalance on on at least a yearly basis. I think that's the one thing that people continue to miss. They get too overweight. Last year, they would have probably been way overweight energy and paid for it. So rebalancing, I think, is also extremely important as far as running their own portfolio as well. So when you say rebalancing here, Brett, you're not just talking about among um, asset classes such as bonds and international uh, and real estate and stocks. You're also talking about um, rebalancing among sectors within their stock portfolio. Absolutely. Uh, So I have probably 15% of my overall portfolio on biotech, probably earlier in the year or a couple months ago, that would have been 20. I've taken some profits uh, simply because it became too big of my overall portfolio due to some really outsized gains. Um, I do it more often because this is what I do for a living, but uh, the typical retail investor should at least do that once a year. Uh, They'll get better performance and less volatility out of their portfolio. Okay. Well, Brett, thank you very much. Well, thank you for those final words, and uh, we appreciate your input here and your, your, your thoughtful consideration of uh, what is best for our listeners and for investors. We've been talking with Brett Jensen, newsletter editor for Investors Alley, and you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies and approaches that you are not hearing elsewhere. Don't hesitate to contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com, and you can go to our website to hear podcasts of any of our shows and interviews, Strategic InvestorRadio.com. Very pleased you joined us today, and we wish you productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor. 
your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.